I'm nervous. Like, you know, be proud of me. The crazy thing about this is every time I get up and we start, like, just getting on here and talking, I get, like, very nervous. And I don't know why. Yeah. I'm nervous now. I'm nervous now. I, I still I, I get nervous still even when meeting clients and I've been doing this for a little while so trust me <laughs> I think I think it's just a just a thing that that happens. <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right. So welcome to uh, this is your first time listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Message Twenty Four podcast. And if you are a returning listener, we appreciate you guys. Uh, can't even talk. We appreciate <laughs> you guys for tuning in every week. Um, so those of you who tuned into the poll that we did about what type of content you want to see from us, one of the huge, like the biggest things that we saw was like a therapy couch episode. Um, so our in the DM for this week is going to be the ins and out of couples therapy. Um, so this week we have, this is going to be our third close friends feature, right? This is our third guest. Yes. Yeah. Our third guest. <laughs> Um, so I'll introduce our guest and then I'll let him explain a little bit about himself and what he does. So this week we have Shimon Wright, M-A-N-C-C-L-C-M-C-H-A. I don't know what any of that means, but I know it's important. So I wanted to make sure I included it when I said your name. Yes. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. So again, yes. Thank you again for having me up here. Um, again, I'm Shamar Wright and I am a licensed, uh, licensed clinical mental health counselor associate and a national certified counselor as well. Um, I did my studies in both clinical mental health counseling and career counseling, so I kind of got my foot in both right now. Um, but I specialize in both individual and couples therapy. So yeah, that's what I've been doing since I've been licensed in February. I just became recently licensed in February after just graduating last year and I'm licensed now. And now I use a, a theoretical orientation called Imago Relationship Therapy. Okay, so now we're going to move into our center delete segment. This is just like a segment, like an icebreaker, basically, so people get to know you a little more, um, that sort of thing. So the question I have for you is, if you were a celebrity, what would be included in your writer? So if anybody is listening and they don't know what a writer is, it's basically like when a celebrity goes somewhere and they go into their room, there are certain things that have to be there, like certain snacks or drinks or different things like that. So if you were a celebrity and say you were about to go on like the Oprah Winfrey show to talk about therapy, what would need to be in your room backstage? First off, I think I, I think I would definitely need to have my fiance there. I think I definitely would love to have her there. She always kind of gets me grounded, try to kind of encourages me and praises me. Like, just calm down. You got this. Let's me know that I know what I'm doing whenever I go out there. So I think I that would be number one. I would definitely have to have her there. Um, and I think the other things would probably be music. Music is something that literally grounds. I don't think, I can't even remember a day that I haven't listened to music. So I just feel like music is something I got to have every single day. And, you know, aside from my son, but sometimes he could be a distraction. But even if it's something like that big, I would love to have him there. But even if not, like my music and, my fiance, I think they they would really keep me grounded, um, to just make me feel more comfortable and confident before going out. Any any type of music, or is there a specific artist? <sighs> it'll, it'll probably have to be J Cole. J, I, I'm, I'm 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 one of those. I'm a, I'm a cold head. So, uh, <laughs> it'll probably have to something like something like that. Something that could really that, that'll just get me motivated and thinking, just to like you know, just kind of reassure myself. So. Uh, something like for, for what J. Cole does for me is 
somewhat of a self-care for me because like every time he drops anything it's like i'm dealing with something in my life and it's like just so every it's like he always right on time so i always just go back to him and reflect gives me gives me a moment to reflect on myself so gotcha. Hello. Um, yeah. you want to do the second yeah okay i can ask my question so if you had like a personal assistant to follow you around each and every single day, what would you have them do? Okay. Tell, I, well, first off, I'll probably tell them, make sure you got my music coming with me. Whatever, <laughs> you know, we got, we got, we got to bring the JBL speaker out, whatever we got to do. But, um, ah, let's see. Ah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm so used to doing so much by myself or working so alone. Yeah. It's just it, I can't even imagine having an assistant. So um, I don't know. I get, I think just to keep me encouraged, just keeping me encouraged, like keeping me on my toes. Like, hey, Shimon, it's two o'clock. You know, you got this meeting. Okay, mm -hmm. and then somebody to keep me on my toes. I think that would be the the, the biggest thing for me, being able to keep me on my toes and just uh, kind of remind me of anything that's uh, important or essential that's going on. So I don't kind of like, sometimes I get overwhelmed or overbooked with things and mm -hmm. I may miss out on something. So if they could just keep me on my toes, I think that'd be the best gift they could give me at that moment. Gotcha. So we can get, we can jump right into our help center segment. So this is kind of where we have people send us questions that they want to get an answer to. Um, so I'll start with this first one. Um, do you agree with the statement, everyone needs therapy? Um, and if you do, why or why not? I don't think everyone needs therapy. I, that's that, and I mean, I think a lot of people will benefit from it. Mm -hmm. So I think only way you may not probably need therapy is if you are good with, if you have like effective coping skills when it comes to something like certain things, like if your coping skills is to result to alcohol or drugs or something like that, you're like, oh, I feel better. That that may not be, you know, the best thing. So you may need some therapy to be able to kind of help push and guide you. I just think it can benefit everyone, even if you're not really going something, maybe like a chaotic period in your in, in your life right now. I think it will still be beneficial because it'll help prepare you for it when things happen. We're all human and life happens to all of us. We always, everyone has experienced some type of stress, distress, um, even some type of form of trauma, even if it haven't even been as bad, even when we witness some things on TV, uh, we see, um, you know, young, young black men being killed by police officers and things like that. That's traumatic for people. So sometimes people need to process though. So, if you can't effectively process it and you kind of struggle with processing it with something, that's when I think therapy is like the, the best, uh, well, one of a route you can take in order to kind of come to a, a point of healing. So I don't think everyone needs it because I ha I even have a friend who has experience. I mean, even in her, her her childhood, her parents were already they were always engaged I would say with her life so it's like she didn't really have any childhood trauma even growing up she just haven't really experienced a lot of trauma mm -hmm. so but her therapy may not be it may not be something that she may need right now but she does see the benefit of therapy of like okay well maybe I do need to learn to communicate that it may not be nothing tra traumatic going on with me right now but I can learn to communicate better sometimes maybe I don't deliver a message the way it needs to be delivered or something like that. So it can help in so many other ways other than people think, oh, 
if I just go attend therapy, it's just to heal my mind, but it can help improve relationships, you know, help improve communication with people, help you self-explore yourself. So I think it, I think it can be beneficial for everyone, but yet not everyone needs it. Yeah, I like that answer. And Shamal, I just want to be a hundred percent like transparent. Um, like I, you've been to therapy. I've never been to therapy. So this, um, pretty much podcast, I'm going to be taking, I guess I'll learn kind of, uh, mentality, like learn as much as I can. Cause I've yeah. never actually talked to a therapist and I know we have our Yeah. Being that he mentioned something about if you know how to handle coping, uh, or if you're able to cope the correct way, are there any health, do you have maybe a list of healthy um, ways to cope? What would be some healthy ways to cope? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially on one, one of the things that I've been doing, especially within the last year anyway, is, is um, working out. That's been one of the best coping skills that I have literally been able to and I've been, I think I'm a year and six months in now. So like, as far as like consistently, I go five to six days a week, literally every day. So, I mean, well, every week. So, um, but it's been like, I mean, it's actually been amazing just to be able for me to go there. Cause even when I'm stressed about something or something's on my mind, it's like, go to the gym, run it off, or, you know, lift, throw, throw, throw some weights around or whatever the case may be. Because a lot of times I can result to any other coping mechanism where it's like, oh, well, I'm going to sit in the house and eat all day or something like that. And that, that but even if the, even though that's it's, it's a coping method, it's still a defense mechanism. And what I teach people about defense mechanisms is they're only going to prolong your situation. They're going to make you feel safe and secure in the moment, but a defense mechanism ain't going to do it, but prolong the situation. So I can sit down and eat and watch the TV and say, you know, I'm not going outside, but I'm still going to be dealing with whatever is going on whenever the show go off or whenever the food is all, you know, gone or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So I use working out as one. Another one that I use is um is is journaling. So one thing I started doing was um I want to start writing stuff down, especially like I have like this journal here where I use this. It's called letters to my son. So I actually write letters to my son. So when he gets old enough, he can read these and things like that. So it helps me, you know, helps me be able to put it in perspective for him. Like my dad was, you know, he he's strong, but he also was dealing with some things too. You know, maybe he had some things on his mind so that he so that way he'll know that. It's not, you don't have to always be okay. You know, you don't always have to be okay. So I also have this journal where it's called um, Breathe. It's a guided healing journal for black men. It's like a 45 day journal. Um, I got this, uh, I got both of them off Amazon. But yeah, this, I like um, I like the fact that I can just, just come in and just, just share my thoughts sometimes. Cause sometimes we don't feel like actually communicating with a person, but we want to still be able to get our thoughts and feelings and things like that out. So. I use my journal to go ahead and get it out because it helps me and also helps me prepare myself. I could be mad about something and I mm -hmm. want to talk about it, but if I go ahead and write it out first and then by the time I do communicate, I can communicate and send that message more effectively because I don't already, even if I had to cuss or do whatever in my journal and get it all out, it's out now. But now I have, I can decompress a little, I'm, I'm you know, a little bit more decompressed and now I can send this message effectively whenever I'm ready to talk about whatever it is. So. Just talking about that. We were though. <laughs> Write it down before, before you... you say things. Yeah. 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 I feel like a lot of people have coping mechanisms that they don't even realize are coping mechanisms. Mm. Like when I first started 
therapy, I was telling my therapist, like, I cook every single day of life. I love to cook. It's something that makes me happy. So after I've been in school for eight, nine hours, I still come home and cook and it makes me feel better. And I didn't realize that was a coping mechanism for all yeah. the stress and anxiety I had going on throughout the day until she told me, I'm like, oh, you're right. Like, I really like cooking. I love going to the grocery yeah. store, picking up my produce. Like, I really, really <laughs> enjoy doing that. And I feel like a lot of people might actually have healthy coping mechanisms. They just don't know that. No, it's, exactly. exactly. And, that's what I try, and that's what I try to teach my clients. Like, even when that's one of like, whenever I do an assessment with anyone, that's a question I always ask. Like, what are your interests and your hobbies? Or, you know, what are some things you're interested in? Or, you know, some of your leisure activities. And then they'll start to say, well, I like the pain and I like to do this, but they may not have been able to do it. So mm -hmm. even with these coping mechanisms, I think coping <laughs> coping is, yeah, some of it can be like direct interventions, like where, oh, if I have anxiety, I'm going to, you know, use a breathing technique. But coping, like you said, could also be engaging in some of your interests, which is what I call self-care. You know, having that self-care has been able to engage into activities that you know are going to benefit you, but it's it's not like a temporary fix as if it was maybe resulting to alcohol or drugs, food or sex or whatever it could be that, that helps you get out of it. But being able, like you said, I, I enjoy cooking. Like I, I'm able to get my mind away from maybe my day at work or my day at school because I'm here cooking. I'm doing something I enjoy. So I always come up with a plan with my clients as far as to create a self-care plan like you know and you don't have to try to stick to it you know I got to do this today and do this Tuesday and do this Wednesday but I, I recommend you can get a jar put all the things that you like to do on a popsicle stick pull one out for the week you know all right you know what? I'm gonna go play basketball let me go play basketball engage in that self-care being able to that's what's going to be able to help you cope with a lot of life stressors anyway so yeah, some gems. He didn't drop three. Yeah, um, <laughs> I already do the jar. You know, I have my self care jar, and I pull it out every week. Yeah, and I have to do, yeah. Well, during the school year, I do because I'm school is stressful. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, we all been to college and graduated, but it's very, very intense. So I have to do that. Um, so I feel affirmed. You know. I'm doing yeah, right. that jar. Yeah, that jar is. I mean, I love. I love. I got my jar. Never even. I do. I have different jars for different things. Like even if it's like you know, if I got a if I got a busy month and I got to handle certain tasks throughout the month, I pick out because I don't want to overwhelm myself. This is how you kind of like control how you you know manage your week or your your, your load throughout the week. So it's like you know what, if I got some downtime today. I'll pick from the half mm -hmm. or pick from the jar, see what it is I can do and knock it out or something like that. So. That's um okay so we found some common misconceptions that listeners actually have about couples therapy um i'm sure you've heard a lot of <laughs> so i'm just gonna go over a few um so one of the things we heard is that couples therapy is for couples who have reached the end of their relationship um which is something i thought for a long time uh but we won't go there uh couples, couples therapy is only for married people um, and then that the therapist will take sides and it'll be unfair. Um, I think a lot of this stems from people are afraid of therapy in general and they see, see it as like a bad thing, but it's yeah. <laughs> But you, the therapist, I'm going to let you talk more about that. So what does like the intake process look like for couples therapy and what types of tools can people gain from couples therapy? So... In my intake process, what I do is my first session is I call it my initial couple session, you know, with my couples every time. 
So in my session, I, I automatically let my my couples know that just for one, there's three rules within my sessions. You have to be intentional, you have to be refrained from negativity, and you have to be consistent. So those are my three, those are my three rules when they come in. So I understand that a lot of couples may come in and they may be coming in at a point where they may be, they may be a chaotic point in their marriage or their relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, I, may, I may, you know, start with that. But what I do is I try to build rapport with my, my, my clients first. I always want to build that rapport, try to see where they are. So my first question is, I always ask them, you know, how did you meet? You know, how, how did you guys meet? Tell me about when you met. So cause even if, if even if they had a disagreement right before coming in, that's going to kind of ease their, their tension a little bit. Oh, when I met, I met her at the grocery store and she was on aisle five and, you know, she dropped the cereal box and I picked it, you know, whatever. So they start going back into these memories and start, they start to, you know, kind of remember, this is kind of why I fell in love with this person or whatever. So that's why I always start with that. But my biggest question is when I, um, whenever I, I kind of try to see where I always ask what their goals are. But if it's a problem, if, if there's some problems that's going on or stemming into the relationship, I kind of like always ask, I ask both partners this. I say, what do you think your partner's biggest frustration is with you? I always ask, and I, and I do it that way because it takes it takes away from them being able to point the finger. So if I say, you know, oh, Lakaya, what's your what's your what's your biggest uh, frustrations with your partner? Or you can say, oh, well, you don't clean up, you don't do this, you don't do that. Then it kind of comes off as criticism. So what I want to do is I want to flip it around. What do you think your partner's biggest frustrations are with you? Oh well, I think my partner think I doesn't, I don't listen or I, I don't communicate well and things like that. So I try to gauge and see where they are. I get it from that, and then I ask them, is that is that accurate? They're like, well, yeah, that that is true. You know, some of the some of that is true, and you know, sometimes they may have to alter it a little bit and really kind of go into the process. But um, anyway, I always get them to mirror it back. So that's one of the biggest techniques I do, and. Uh, my sessions with couples, especially with Imago relationship therapy anyway, that's the biggest, that's one of the biggest things that we do is mirror. So when you're mirroring your partner is to basically, you basically want to say whatever it is your partner just said back to you. So you may say to your partner, um, you know, I, I get this feeling of fear whenever you don't call me. You may say something like that. Now, as the partner who is listening to this or who is receiving that message, when they hear something like that, they may want to defend themselves. Well, I call you three times a day and whatever the case may be. But in that moment, it's not for you to do. Listen to your partner, which is initially when you mirror it back. So you'll say something like what I what I hear you saying is you want to talk about the fear you have when I don't call when I when I'm supposed to. Is that right? Is that accurate? And they'll say, yeah. So in my sessions, I always want to make sure that my, my couples are feeling heard. What I do is create emotional security in the atmosphere in my session. So in my sessions, I don't deal with arguing in my session. I, you know, I don't, a lot of people would ask me when I first got into it, they were like, you wanna listen to couples argue all day? And at first it kind of scared me. I'm like, dang, is that what I'm gonna be doing? Trying to, you know, trying to trying to squash little uh, beefs in the, in the session, but no, nah, that's not, is that I like that Imago has a format. So if it's something going on, we use the dialogue where one person sits in as the sender, the other person sits in as the receiver. The person who is the sender is going to talk about, it could be about your light bill being high. You know, maybe that's the problem and, and you know, that you want to have a conversation about it. So what you're going to do is have a conversation or you're going to exp- express to your partner 
the feelings that you get around the light bill being high. It's not to say where you leave the game on all day and then you're on YouTube and you're cooking all the time. This is not the time for that. We want to be able to just, cause you know, we want to be able to express the, the what, what feeling we get around this topic. So when we're able to focus on the feeling and actually send the message directly, your per, the, the partner can receive it better and create, what it does is create a deeper understanding for them to be more intentional. So if you got a feeling that you have a fear, if the light bill is high, you, your fear, your feeling you get is fear that the lights will be cut off or something like that. You create that deeper understanding for your partner so that they may not understand why it makes sense to you, but you want to be able, they want to be able to put themselves in your shoes to understand why it makes sense to you. It may not make sense to them, but I want to be able to understand why it makes sense to you. So that's why they're going to mirror, they're going to empathize, they're going to validate things like that to make sure that part their partner feels heard. And once they create that deeper understanding, then they can create, you know, come up with a solution that makes them both feel secure around whatever that topic is. I think it's from TV. Like you see couples in therapy screaming and yelling at each other. And I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. well, do you, do you think that's because of the like? I'm assuming you're setting the rules. Like you said, that you you have three rules. Is that how uh, that kind of works? Like different therapists, they'll allow that, or they will. Yeah. So like even like so, a lot of therapists have like different. They have like different approaches. Um, like some of them are like you have some couples therapists who will see the couple together. Then they may see both of them individually. I prefer not to do that because for me, my clients, my approach is the client, the, the, the individuals themselves are not my clients. Their relationship is my client because that's what mm-hmm. we're working on. That's what we're going to try to, you know, try. We're trying to, we're trying to fix this. We're trying to salvage this right here. So. I focus on the relationship being my client and things of that nature. So, cause like you may have somewhere that's like, okay, well, you know, tell me, James, tell me how you feel. Uh, tell me what, what happened in, in the argument yesterday. And then it's like, now you get your point, you start going on and on and on. Then, you know, a session usually lasts about an hour and sometimes an hour and a half. If one partner takes 45 minutes of the session com- communicating about their side, now this other person is going to feel like they didn't get their point across. And if just the time is up, now this person is going to be feeling left out or, or kind of like uneasy because, okay, my partner got to express themselves. The therapist only listened to them. So now I have to wait to the next session in order to even try to try to tell my side of the story and anything else can happen in between that time. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm mindful of everyone's time. Like I don't just cut them off because even if we go over a little bit, I'm fine with that. My thing is I want to do the, I want to make sure they get the work done. So with me, I, I'm gonna make sure that's because I have those rules set in place where I want to get both parties side. I want we want to understand where Lakai is coming from. We want to understand where James comes from because it's not gonna be right if I just get James side and don't get Lakai side. If I just get Lakai side, not like it's not gonna be right. You know, it's not gonna it's gonna feel so one sided, and that's why some people get that that um, misconception that you know it can be one sided sometimes. If you have that therapist, if you have that therapist who don't who don't provide structure within the session so me I challenge my client like you know you may come in you may say well you know he don't listen he don't listen I, I, I'll tell him you know can you send that message in a different way because you saying he don't listen he don't listen is coming off as criticism so what he's going to do right now is he's going to use a defense mechanism he's going to either try to defend himself or he's going to he's going to you know criticize you back and now it's going to be an ongoing thing of trying to well, now we're still not even focused on the problem and now you guys are here arguing or fussing or we're not really getting to the, the meat of what we need to. So 
I set those rules in place just to, I want to make, again, I just want to make sure I'm providing emotional uh, safety in my atmosphere for both parties. I like that. Mm -hmm. I really do. <laughs> um, so one of the things I've also seen, uh, a lot of people feel like you don't need to be in therapy if you have a great relationship. Therapy is just for couples who probably need to break up anyway. Um, but do you think it's healthy to like be in couples therapy at any stage in your relationship? Or is it one of those things you should wait until, you know, you are trying to pursue marriage or what, what do you kind of think about that? Like when should a couple come in for therapy? I think um, a couple should come in if at any more, at any point where you feel like this person is, you having that mind, you know, like when you first get with someone, especially within that first six months to a year, you're like, I, I really like this person. Like, this is the prayer. I really like them. And, you know, I, I got like, I got these strong feelings for them. And if you really can see that, and it's mutual on both sides, and you, you guys made that commitment to to be, a, a you know, even whether it's boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever, I think at any moment it would be perfect to, to see a couple's therapist or a relationship therapist, period. Um, the couples that I work with, I can say maybe half of the couples that I work with are married. The other half are either in new relationships, may have been together for a couple of years, may have been together for a few years or something like that. But half of them are only married. And I I think at any point, using being able to, to really understand your partner on a deeper level is, is very key in the relationship anyway, because like you said, we're used to seeing people go to therapy or see a couple's therapist when there's a problem in the relationship. So I just, I have this couple who probably just came to me about, probably about two, two or three weeks ago. I think I've worked with them about three times now, but they are, they have been, they have been together for, for a little while. I only think they've been together for a full two years, but anyway, they, decided to go ahead and get because they know they want to be eventually be married but they decided to go ahead and get couples therapy so for when I when I did my assessment with them on my first session my intake I was trying to you know gauge and see where where some of the problems may be or if there is any problem so they don't really have any like problem like there's no infidelity there's no financial issues there's no major thing going on but they just like you know I want to be able to learn tools now so when things do come up or if they do come up, we know how to better better handle and things like that. So we, with my like, and what I like about Imago therapy is it touches a lot on childhood because your childhood plays a really big part in how you respond to behaving to your current relationship. And it's not even just with your intimate partner, it's with your friends, your family and everything. So a lot of that stuff is imprinted on us as children and we bring it into our relationship, even subconsciously. You're trying to figure out you know, some people may be like, well, you know, why my why my girl talk so loud, or why my man talk so loud? You never know. It probably came from his childhood to understand where you know we had to talk loud in the house because there was a lot of people in here, and you know everybody had to be heard or trying to get their point across or something like that. But what I tell couples is to be more curious about one another. That's how you continue to you know figure out where it is you you I guess like where your partner's wounds may be you know, if any, and if you just keep continue to be curious about your partner, learn about your partner, like, why does my partner like to sleep on the right side of the bed over the, over the, over the, over the left side? So continue to be curious about them. And that's kind of what I do with my couples in the beginning is tell them, continue to be curious about one another. But I think at any point in your relationship, it's, it's very helpful to, to, to see a couple's therapist because 
we're not we're not perfect you know we we all don't know how to communicate well we all sometimes still get very angry and when we, even when we get angry it's okay to be angry angry anger is not a bad emotion but it's how we respond when we're angry is that that's the key so you may have two people who are together and when they're mad maybe they just shut down with each other they didn't no one's harming each other you know harming each other but they just shut down no one when no one's talking but mm-hmm. maybe that can be something that they could you know work on to, to to improve their relationship so there's no again there's no infidelity or there's no other things going on but just because we want to learn how to communicate better just i want to communicate a little bit stronger i just want to make sure i'm being heard or something like that or even attending to a love language. I teach my couples all the time how to attend the love language. So this is really good because <laughs> like like to do that, you have to be very wise and very humble to to not think, hey, I'm above therapy yeah. or I'm, uh, mm-hmm. everything's going good. So why would we need to go therapy? To go to therapy. So that that you saying that just really opened my eyes to like we definitely gotta do that yeah I, i've been saying that's something i think we should do i think when you know you have a good thing you want to invest into it and why would you right. wait until right. stuff is is terrible before you start investing in something that you you care about right um, right so yeah because yeah, like with imago what we what we teach is there's like there's these different stages of a relationship when you first get with a person we call it you know what we call the honeymoon stage that's yeah. that stage where you know it don't matter what your partner do, I'm in love. Like, you know, I, I don't feel anything. So what we call that is you being under under um, anesthesia because you're not feeling anything right now. You ain't feeling nothing. But after about a year to that year and a half mark, that's when that, that, that honeymoon phase or the anesthesia starts to wear off a little mm-hmm. bit. So then you start to kind of see like, why do my partner leave the cup right there near the sink instead of putting it inside the sink? You know, so stuff like that starts to kind of bother you, right? So mm-hmm. the next stage after that is this, this stage called the power struggle. That's the power struggle stage. So every couple kind of experiences the power struggle. I think it's inevitable that you don't experience it. But the power struggle is all about how you work through the power struggle. This is how you, well, how, this is how we feel you, you achieve real love. So once you learn each other, become more curious, develop, uh, develop deeper understanding in this power, in this power struggle, um, then you kind of reach that real love. So that real love is when, you know what, my partner isn't perfect. I'm not perfect, but we're, we're, we're so intentional with one another. I'm more intentional with how I respond to my partner. I'm more intentional with how I tend to my partner's love language. I understand that my partner does do some things that frustrate me, but they also are human and have to, you know, tend, even when we get frustrated, 90% of it has to do with us, 10% has to do with our partner. They're just showing up, you know, and we and they're showing up as a trigger and we just, you know, we might get frustrated and, you know, don't know why. But again, you, you, you achieve that real love once you kind of know how to manage the power struggle because everyone kind of gets to that point and you just got to know how to manage it, you know? I don't believe soulmates are found. I think they're built. I think you kind of build your soulmate. So, you know, you you, you can have you can have three different soulmates, but if you if you both are being intentional with one another, I mean, you you, you will achieve that real love. Like if I, want, if I know I want to be more intentional with how I respond, if I know my partner is sensitive to loud tones why would i come in here with loud tones speaking to them you know knowing that this is a wound that they have i have to be more intentional with making sure my partner feels safe i got to make them feel secure right now so even if we do have a disagreement about something i can say hey i would like to talk about you know talk about this without 
you know, the yelling or cussing or the fussing or whatever, you know, criticizing or whatever that, you know, whatever comes with that. But yeah, being more intentional is, is how you get to that real love. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that we are in an ideal situation where we are both open to, you know, going to couples therapy. What would you suggest for someone who's in a relationship and they want to go to couples therapy, but their partner is a little like iffy about it? Um, I mean, I think it's black people in general. A lot of us are kind of like, well, not me per se, but some of us are kind of, you know, a little bit weary of therapy right, and the right. to still destigmatize the narrative around therapy in general. Um, but how how could they bring that to their partner if their partner is someone who's a little bit afraid of therapy because they think you know they don't necessarily need it right yeah, or so what I, yeah so what i've done in the past i've had couples who were uh, i was supposed to meet with both right and then come to the day of and maybe only one partner shows up and we're gonna be i'm gonna be completely honest it's mostly always the female that shows up you know it's always most because a lot of times you know especially when they hear oh it's a male therapist or it's a therapist period they feel like it's someone trying to come in and tell them how to do their relationship mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily the case so with my couples i help them develop new relationships it's not to say that your old relationship is trash but i want to help you develop new a new relationship a stronger relationship because Maybe the other one is starting to wear off a little bit and you guys are maturing and certain things that worked back then is not working now. So you got to be able to create new habits in the relationship. So what I would do is like when the woman would come in or, you know, that, that one client just comes in, I continue to work with her, like with the dialogues, like the dialogues that I have, um, I have this one called the Imago Dialogue, which is the basis one where you can literally have this conversation about anything. You could talk, literally talk about why the sky is blue using the same dialogue and the persons can feel heard. Um, then I show like, you know, this one called the appreciation dialogue, this one called the parent child dialogue. Um, that's, that's one of the most powerful ones that I have because with that one, your partner is basically sitting in as a parent or a caretaker, whoever your caretaker was. And one partner sitting in as a child, the child, they're going back to their childhood, whatever age, if it's 12, five, six, seven, whatever, they go back th there and their partner is sitting in as their parent where they'll ask a question like, what was it really like living with me? So then they, they, you know, that child can answer, well, you know, living with you, mom was great, but maybe I didn't get enough quality time you go to go into whatever that is. So what it does is create deeper understanding for the partner as to where some of, maybe, maybe your partner always wants to spend quality time. And then you can have this dialogue and understand, okay, well, they didn't get it from their mom. So that's why it's showing up in our relationship. They want to be able to spend quality time with me. So I would practice these dialogues with the, the single, the single person, or sometimes I try to, and I always tell, I always send them a homework as to go home and practice this with your husband or go home and practice this with your wife and then let me know how it goes. And I've had, like, I've had a good number who would do that. And then they were like, you know what? My husband said he wanted, he wanted to join the next session. So then they come in and once I, once I, once I grab them in that first time, I got, because then I know I can really, I can really process, I can really do the work with them. Cause if you, if you can show an interest in it, that means you, you want to be intentional. You want to kind of want to try to like improve their relationship. So once they come in and they actually see how the dialogue flow, like I had a couple the other day I worked, they told me, they said, we, we look at ourselves as great arguers or they, they feel like they have, you know, they never really get disrespectful with, I guess, fight uh, arguing, but a lot of times they don't feel heard. Mm -hmm. 
But when they did the dialogue in my session, they were like, yeah, I'm, I got to do this every time. They were like, because any other time, well, yeah, we're not we're not yelling at each other, but no one is feeling heard. But this format has really made me feel like I'm being heard right now. And same thing for the other partner. So it, it just kind of, once they see that actually how the dialogue is and how more effective they can get their point across, I, I sound like that's, that's kind of how I reel them in. And then they start to be like, the, the other partner kind of gets more hip and like, you know what, I want to, I want to engage in this a little bit more and they start coming, they come, they come to the workshops and, and everything. So, That's so I think I, yeah, yeah. Long, look, long as I can get one of the partners to at least practice <laughs> it and be intentional, like if they start doing the things, like if I tell them, okay, you start attending to your partner's love language or you start mirroring your partner, whenever they say something, mirror back to them. They may think you crazy after a while, like why they keep repeating me, but I want to make sure you feel heard. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you. It's registering with me. So I know that you feel heard at and after a while, they end up, they end up, you know, end up falling in line. So, so sometimes they don't, sometimes they don't, sometimes it takes a little longer, but eventually I feel like I still see an improvement with certain relationships because they are using the technique. We also have a lot of viewers who are single people and I don't want to like leave them out of this conversation as well. Um, I know for me personally, and I've shared this on the podcast, I had a lot of traumatic experiences growing up. So for me, it was important to see a therapist and work through my own shit before I got into a relationship with someone else because I don't want to be dumping all of my stuff on that person. So if there is a single person who is out here who has been like a serial dater or they've had like a lot of traumatic experiences in their life, would you recommend them seeking individual therapy before they decide to like pursue a serious relationship? Yes, wholeheartedly. I mean, to the core, yes. Just because, you know, even when you have breakups, people don't look at them like this, but sometimes that's grief. You know, you're losing not only a person, but a relationship. So, you know, just like kind of when you lose a family member, you're not only losing that person in the relationship to them, it's kind of fading away as well. So I always recommend, um, because I even see people who are single, I see people individually who are trying to work on relationship things, like, you know, who are, who are like, you know, they're trying to get back out in the dating world or something like that, but they want to process their own, like you said, their own stuff and, and, and be able to move forward. So what I do is I tell them, you can't be happy with no one else until you're happy with yourself. If not, you're going to keep depending on this person to make you happy. And when they, when they don't meet that expectation, you're going to be mad. Oh, this person, you don't make me happy. You don't make me happy. And I tell like, I have couples come in my sessions and say, you know what, well, my husband or my wife doesn't make me happy anymore. And I tell them it's not their responsibility to make you happy. You got to find happiness within yourself. Cause if not, you're going to always depend on this person to make you happy. They can, they may not be in the mood one day just because they're not doing something. Here you are in your, in your feelings about them being in their feelings when it may not even have nothing to do with you. So you got to learn how to make yourself happy. And I think being able to process, like you said, process your own shit so that you can, can, can move forward and effectively in a relationship. If you did, if you know, you got trust issues, don't get in a relationship. What's the point? Why, why set somebody else up for that? Why should they have to have, keep constantly trying to break down this barrier because you have trust issues? Go figure out why you got these trust issues, work through them so that you can love this person the way they need to be loved. And, and saying they can love you the way you need to be loved. So I think wholeheartedly, yes. Yes, if you are dealing with some things and you know you got some stuff going on, go seek that. There. And it's not to say you have to be in there for a whole year or two or three years or 10 years, but figure out where the root of it is coming from and start working on it. So. 
the other person is not responsible for this baggage that you're bringing. That's why Bag Lady by Erica Badu in the bag. That's when I always want one of my favorite songs, man, because you, you always want to carry this baggage to, you know, to somebody else. If you don't process it, you know, I can't effectively move on if I'm not processing things. So I, I work with couples who, I mean, well, people who have just gotten out of long-term relationships as well. And right now, and I like some of them I've been in with, you know, maybe six, seven months where we're still processing and they're getting better. They're actually getting better. They're actually putting themselves back out there and everything like that. So being able for, for them to be able to actually talk to someone other than a friend. And you, cause you can have a friend to say, well, yeah, and they, sometimes our friends are not the best uh, advice giver. I don't want to say advice givers, but I want to say that sometimes it's not the best in that situation because at the time, sometimes your friends are only going to provide comfort and you need to be challenged at the, other, at the end of the day. Because if it's my friend, it, by me being the therapist, I challenge them, even when, it, when even when they say stuff like that. Like, you know, I want to, I want to date, but I got trust issues. I tell them, well, you're not ready to date me. You know, that's not you. You're not dating. You're not ready because it's not, it's not nobody else. Cause you won't want nobody to come in and just every, you just got with a person and they trying to figure out, well, why you didn't answer the phone or why you didn't call me or who was you with, who voices that in the background. And then you, you know, you're going to push somebody away by doing that. And then you're going to try to figure out, well, they, they just didn't care about me enough or whatever. They was doing sneaky stuff. I felt like they were being sneaky when, Ultimately, you kind of sabotage the relationship yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely, definitely seek that help if, if, if possible, to if, before getting into a serious relationship. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. That's something I need to think about either. People <laughs> talk about uh, people who have been in long-term relationships that didn't go the right way. You might have lost a lot of yourself, a lot of your interests, a lot of. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you could have brought a lot of baggage. From yeah. That yeah. Probably some therapy. You gotta if you've been <laughs> if you've been with somebody five years and then you just like you have to I get I think you have to like retrain your brain to like be by yeah. yourself if you've been right. with somebody for like that's a traumatic experience. Exactly. Um, exactly. That's an adjustment that you had to, you know, especially if you used to you're used to talking to this person every day, waking up with this person, going on trips or dates or whatever, and then all all, all of a sudden just stops because you guys don't see eye to eye. That's why yeah. it always kind of feels like a grieving process. So, you know, when people experience a heartbreak, if you if you look at grief, it's kind of the same way where they not eat, feeling depressed, down mood, don't want to be around anyone, missing the person or, or whatever the case may be. It's, 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 re it's very similar. So being able to process it yourself so that you can effectively thrive in whatever relationship you get in, the next time is it, going to be key so that you don't bring that baggage with that. You know, being able to process um, your relationship with, what I do with my couple or, or the, I'm sorry, keep saying couples, with my individuals like that, um, I, I try to try to help them get to a place of, again, like you said, finding themselves and also trying to help them. Like, you know, I ask them, you know, where do you think you contributed to the relationship going wrong? And I, have, I, have, I, I challenge them. Like, you know, you may have said, maybe you was making comments about something that they didn't really feel comfortable about and you just, you didn't see nothing wrong with it, but they did. So I challenge them to see where, what part did you play in to the breakup or to the or to the disagreement because we don't want to take these same things into your next relationship because guess what same thing gonna happen same as that thing it may it may last a little longer it may not but the same thing is gonna happen if you don't process where you went wrong first you know yeah the other person may have done 10 times worse than you did in the relationship but also acknowledge the, your faults in it as well that, that is good it reminds me of something 
some successful people say that like you get knocked down, not get back up until you figure out what happened and why you got knocked in the first right, place. Right. Yeah, that definitely yeah. makes sense. Um, I think another since we're still like kind of talking about the individual now, um, this has been a conversation amongst like myself and some of my friends. Like as we've gotten older, your friendships start to look different. Like you we're not down the street from each other we're busy we have families we're working and to some degree we're kind of grieving a part of a friendship that we like that we don't have anymore um how can therapy help someone navigate that type of space because like you're still friends with somebody but the relationship looks completely different and it's gonna look different because we're adults so like how do you How can therapy help you come to terms with that? And um, and that's why I am definitely, I know I keep talking about it, my little relationship therapy, but what I like about it is because it's not just for intimate relationships, but we, I can li- I, li- I have literally had sessions with a mother and son, adults, like, you know, she, he, he's an adult, she's an adult, but mm-hmm. I've had, so I, I use this, this format for any type of relationship, but just being able to, um, create that deeper understanding for each other and I like what you were saying like you know over time we we do grow and you know we do get in relationships and we have children and we have jobs and we're in school so the same things that we were doing back when we were 17 18 19 we can't do that anymore just not saying we can't but we don't have the time to you know because we got bigger fish to fry right about now but um what some of my friends, uh, what I love that they do is even if we don't get to talk to each other all the time, we attend to each other's love language because your friends got to do that for each other as well. You got to do that for your friends and they got to attend to yours. So if yours is quality time, maybe we maybe we can't spend quality time every week, but we can we can set a Friday out the month then just to make sure that we go to the coffee lounge and get something done or get some work done while we still communicate or whatever the case may be. So we're still doing that. But I think therapy will be able to help you come to terms with understanding the importance of the relationship for one and you know seeing gauging kind of seeing whether like, how is it serving you or benefiting you because sometimes we hold on to relationships that don't serve us or don't benefit us when it comes to friends as well just like in relationships so if a person especially as a person isn't understanding of that um sometimes you just got to set those boundaries you have to set those boundaries with people and i tell people like even even mentally, like, you know, you we have, sometimes we have a friend, and I think we all have had a friend, or sometimes we may have even been this friend where you call and you want, like, some advice, or you want somebody to, you know, something, you want to tell them something, but I tell people, set boundaries with your friends as well, you just like you got to do with everybody in your life, because you may not be in the mental headspace to accept or receive whatever it is that they did, whatever it is they're going through. Maybe they got, they maybe they're dealing with some boyfriend, girlfriend drama, and right now you got you know, maybe you're trying to figure out how you're going to take care of this and something going on in your relationship. And you may not be in the mental headspace to do that. So even when my, even when friends come to me with stuff, I sometimes I ask, like, do you want comfort or solutions? I go ahead and ask right in the beginning, do you want comfort or solutions? Because yes. sometimes I pick, sometimes people get mad. Well, I just needed you to listen. I didn't need you to tell me all of that. I know, I know. Okay, well, I'm going to ask. You want comfort or solutions? <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and get straight to the point. You know, we're going we're gonna to do this because, again, we got to set those boundaries. If I'm not in the headspace, then I'm just not in the headspace. You know, if, if someone's getting upset because I'm not calling or you're not calling me, I don't have to answer my phone for you. You know, so if I don't want to answer the phone, I don't have to answer the phone. I'll talk to you when I when I can. But setting those boundaries, I, for me, that's a, it has been 
I think one of the most effective things that I've done when it comes to even friendships or relationships, just setting those boundaries. Cause I still, I'm, I'm my own person. So I still need my own personal me time, regardless of who is in my life. So. That's great. That's great. <laughs> time has flown by. So we are almost up on time. Oh, wow. But I wanted to, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, that was quick. That was quick. I don't know. I didn't yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I looked at the clock. Already, <laughs> <laughs> it does when we're potting, like it just because it's just talking, like you're talking to people, time just really, yeah, unless yeah. it's a horrible conversation, then time drag, but, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> right, right. But I wanted to make sure that I left a little bit of time at the end for you just to tell people where they can reach you, where they can find you if they're interested in your services. Um, you know, you can share that here. And if you have like a link or something, email it to me and I can put it in the description of our okay. episode. Okay. So yeah, I well, I work at two different agencies. I work for one in Durham called the Overcomers Counseling Center. Um, oh, I don't even know. I think it's 2410 Presidential Drive in Durham, North Carolina. 27713. Um, I'm in the process of making me a business page uh, for therapy and also get some fly. I'm in the process of having some flyers made as well. But I also work at another agency called Turner's Counseling and Consulting um, in Raleigh. So you can also come and receive services there. So the only thing that may limit services is if uh, I know you. So I can't counsel people that I know. It's unethical for me to do so. But even if I don't know you on a personal note and you know of me or something like that, you can still reach out for services and things like that. But yeah, those are the two agencies that I work for. I provide both individual and couples therapy virtually or face-to-face. I kind of do it all. Um, and I'll also be at um, UNC doing career counseling. I just got a position there as well. So I'll be at UNC doing some career counseling. So I'll be all over. I'll be from Chapel Hill to Durham to Raleigh to Cary. So I'll be all up and through North Carolina trying to trying to provide these services. So the people need it. And they they need black therapists and they need black men. Yes. yes. Um, in this, I think you are only the the second black male therapist that I've ever like I've met like every the oh, rest wow. of them are black women I haven't met like a black male therapist you are literally the second one that I've met so like you're a unicorn and people need you <laughs> they need to black men need to be able to speak to with someone who looks like them who can relate to their experiences and a certain shit they don't have to try to explain to you because right right you're right. a black man so you get it anyway right. yeah <laughs> yeah and that's what I like that's one of that's one of the areas like I don't limit to just you know, sessions with men, but I, I, I have a, I have a specialization with working with men, especially men of color, because I'm trying to bring them into the sessions and the men that I have brought in that I work with individually, like they have really learned a lot. And I want to be able to, you know, let these men know that you don't always have to be okay. You know, you can have a weak moment. It's okay to talk to somebody. It's okay to process your feelings or talk about your feelings. It doesn't make you weak. You know, you can do this and, and, and still be a man. I think the most masculine thing you can do is take care of your mental so you can take care of yourself yes yes I love it <laughs> um so thank you thank you thank you you are very busy so I really appreciate you taking the time out to come on our little podcast I really yeah, no problem no I mean anytime anytime <laughs> I love to come up here again man I, I would love I would love that honestly I would really oh, like I that. definitely would keep in touch <laughs> 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 it time flew by really really quick so yes, did, that that did. would be great 
Um, but like I said, thank you. Thank you to our listeners. Um, and this episode will be available next week. So I'll be sure to make sure that you have it. Yep. All right. I can't wait to see it. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You do the same. Thank you guys for having me for real. Right. Bye. Bye.